Hey everyone, and welcome back to Pokey Science. We are multiplying as usual because not only are we joined by Don. Howdy. We have the very own veteran Lucas back again. Yo, what's up, America? How's it going? Hope you're all okay. He had so much fun being back with the group last time that he decided to come back and join us again. His mistake, but we welcome him. <laughs> I'm literally holding on to my passport now. Like, yes, can I? Can I come just for a moment? Not to stay. Not to, I, I, not to stay right now. You gotta come back and go go fishing with the bad boys. Uh, I mean, going fishing with you sounds amazing. Until I remember, sometimes you catch things that aren't fish. Is is that what you actually say when you like invite people, Don? Is you want to come fishing with the bad boys today? Oh, oh my, my friends and I, our made-up spearfishing team is the rubber band bad boys. <laughs> All right. That's actually good. I, I, I'm into that name. That's cool. Rye rubber band? Because spear guns use rubber bands. Ah, okay. I like it. I like it. So for this episode, I was going back to our old episode, and I said that one point that our moves episode, that we would do more moves, and I thought, yeah, that might be fun. I think we could actually go back and look at some more moves, look at some real-world organisms and how terrifying they are, and just go from there. Just a nice, simple part two. And maybe also, like, add in some stuff that the games haven't done. Just some cool things that we may have stumbled upon and think might be good introductions into the game. Ooh, I like that. Let's do that. We're going to do that. I just scrap. If I had a paper script, I would crumple it up into a ball and throw it away. But all digital. I'm excited for this one. I think we've got some good stuff. So you guys want to get rolling? Yeah. Roll it. Cue the music. All right, so I do want to start with the news, and okay, so this news is a bummer, so I promise after this, we will tell fun news. So, uh, you guys, have you guys heard about the birds out in New Mexico? I have not. Um, I think they're sad. I mean, they were sad until they died. That's still very sad. Yeah, millions of birds basically scattered all over the west of the United States had dropped dead. They were scattered all over, dozens upon dozens of different species, just a whole bunch of dead birds found, and people are trying to find out why. Because it's not like there was a chemical spill in the air and everything just got poisoned. These birds literally just look like they collapsed. So the prevailing theory is that the wildfires out west caused all these birds to migrate early. So this is what happens when you have like a forest fire or any major catastrophe Animals are going to react to it just like humans do. But the problem is with the migration, you need to have enough fat stores, enough energy to keep going. If you have to pack early, then you're not going to be able to have enough energy. And then, well, you die mid-flight. And that's what the prevailing thought is. That's not, again, it could be a mix of smoke inhalation from the fire. It could have been a disease we don't know about. But the prevailing thought is that this fire is not just causing humans to run. It's causing every animal in the facility to get triggered to run as fast as it can. And it's a bummer. It's There are those one beetles that really like fire that have the infrared sensors on their chest. Yeah, but those aren't on the birds, Don. It, it's... I know, but I'm just saying almost all the animals are running from the fire, except for maybe those guys. Except for that one pyro beetle. Yes. God knows that when all of California and all the West is in cinders, there will be beetle. But... I do think it is important to realize that when we do talk about climate change and how it has this domino effect, 
this is a sign of it. You literally, who would have thought that a wildfire would cause millions of birds to drop dead without smoke inhalation? That's something that people don't realize happens. Now, I did say this news was a bummer. Chris, do you have anything to lighten the mood? I hear that there's basically some orcas going WWE on fishing boats in the northern Atlantic. Yeah, that sounds... There was an article like this years ago that the whales were attacking fishing boats, and that was to get the fish out of the net. One of the people who wrote it said that the orcas, having been away from people thanks to COVID, like there have been less boats out, now are having the boats back and they don't want them back. Again, you can't just psychoanalyze a whale like that. Yeah, that, that, that that's very much like a, we have no other reason why these whales are tag teaming us, but we haven't been here and now we're back. Yeah, it's just literally, huh, reasons why they're after us. Just revenge. Yeah, that, that would track. That seems pretty accurate. <laughs> but that's the thing. When you work with animals, you learn that you can't put human emotions on the animal. My thought is that it's the same reason as before. There's gathering up all your food. You're not as used to them being around. Well, hey, hang on. Let's try and get the food back. Let's feed ourselves. Let's make sure that we're okay. Now, are these coordinated? Or are they just like ramming stuff? Uh, I think they're not. They can ram stuff, but they ram stuff in a coordinated way. It's not like there is a general orca on the bottom of the ocean, just like with a map, like, all right, boys. That we know of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have you been down there, Lucas? No, I have not. But I have friends in aquatic places. Trust me. We don't. They, the armies have moved to the south. They're not in the northern Atlantic anymore. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Birds are dying, but orcas are attacking fishing boats. That's the science news. Did anything happen Pokemon-wise that I'm not as familiar with? I'm assuming you're going to talk about the the ban. The ban and then the unban, right? Yes, and I'm kind of sad. Um, I, I'm going to be playing in the Players' Cup, and I know I think you will be too. Maybe Lucas will join us if he wants to be cool guy. I'll, I'll see if I can get away from work. It's the weekend. Wait, do you work on weekends? Well, that's the thing. Your weekends turn into my weekdays. Oh, yeah. Oops. But either way, so we had the new Series 6 where we banned the top 15 mods, I believe. And I was pumped for that. That was so happy. Some people were. Some of my friends were not because they really liked their Togekiss. I liked the sort of like wildly offensive insanity that Series 6 was because Porygon Z is my boy. The gorilla has to go. The gorilla has to go. Now, now Series 5 is back for the next Players' Cup again. Is there a reason why? No. Not that I know of. I think the reason is because. That's about all we get to know. I can't imagine that they would have caved to any, like, pressure because when have they ever done that before? The thing that just gets me is because the game is on Series 6 now is that you can't, like, practice with your Series 5 team. Yeah, it's weird. You basically have to use showdowns um, to practice. Which is its own thing. And then are they going to reban like at, at the regional part of it? So that like. I would assume that we're going to just stay with series five the whole time. Maybe they decided that series six would be a fun thing, but they did, then they didn't want to like get rid of their usage stats. Of, I really don't know. The only justification I had was that maybe they thought that a month was not enough time for people to like plan out teams. We've had, we've had major events like where we had, a week's notice i remember right i think florida regional is the other year we had like a week of ultra series and then they were like all right regional so i can't i can't think that's it and we've had that even with like internationals and stuff we've had like brand new formats and then a month to get ready so then this is they just wanted to watch the world burn i think so maybe some guy really likes cinderace and rillaboom and he was sad that 
they could be <laughs> on every team. I mean, I really like Cinderace, so I'm excited to have him back. I'm glad but... you can have your speed ties. I- I've already made my hatred clear. The gorilla ruins all my crazy... Like, I love playing nonsense. I don't play to win. I play for the opponent to be like, what is wrong with you? Who did this? I, Who made this I sent Chris a team earlier today that I made that is very degenerate, and it's also kind of gorilla-proof. Patreon members, I will post the degenerate team once I make the EV spreads less bad. Don, you're the one who gave me the Stoninger Poltygeist method that I love using. That was That's my degenerate. I forgot about that team. It's fun. It's like no one can't, no one sees it coming, a Stoninger and a Poltygeist playing that way. And then I've had people quit on Showdown like, just no. Absolutely not. But the gorilla ruins it because of its stupid priority. It sickens me. Sometimes it'd be like that. Anywho. I guess the only other Pokemon news is they announced the uh, the Buddy Week of uh, the Buddy Week event in Pokemon Go. What is this? I don't know about it. It's a week, a timed week event around Mega Buddies. So with the new Mega Pokemon. But the main thing about it is if you, you have to complete the timed research that comes in the event so that in October-ish, you will get access to a timed research that'll get you a Mega Gengar. Ooh, that's neat. Ooh, spooky. The spooky season is upon us. I'm very excited. I'm hoping this year to go uh, 31 for 31 for horror movies. Oh, like like day for day? Nice. Day for day. At least 30. I mean, ideally more. Um, so I'm really excited about that. I'm going to load up uh, Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. I love horror comedies. I'm going to alternate like a fun horror movie with like a messed up horror movie, I think is my plan. Anyway, let's let's continue to podcast. I'm sorry. Yeah, guys. We turned you to the knob. Let's, let's just get to the actual Pokemon. All right, so the last time we did an episode on moves, and we discussed evolution, did a basic rundown on how it works. If you want to look up and learn more about evolution... Please do not use a podcast. Please go read and research it. There's literally a whole branch of science dedicated to it. This time, I thought we'd do something different. I want to talk about real-world organisms that deserve moves in the game. I think that should be a lot of fun. And then we segue into Pokemon moves that are in our world. I think it's a nice back and forth. So, Chris, we have an evil tree to talk about. Well, that's also, that's kind of mean because we don't know what, what the tree is actually like, but it's definitely, it packs a punch. I told you animals can't feel human emotions, but that tree feels anger and rage, okay? that's Okay, you're saying they can't, you're saying animals, have you met a parrot? All they are <laughs> is rage and like, and mocking this. Um, well, gentlemen, if I were to tell you that there was a venomous tree, where would you guess it is in the world? I'm going to say Australia for 500. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take Australia. <laughs> that would be correct. So we are talking about a tree that has lots of names. It goes by the Gimpy Gimpy tree. It is also known as a stinging tree, a stinging bush. It actually is more like a shrub than a, than what you would imagine a tree is. A shrubbery. Yes, <laughs> it is. But you, don't, you do not want this shrub. And then... Yeah, something the Moonlighter plant, someone from Queensland was mentioning it, that in Australia they call it the Moonlighter because it shines in the moonlight. Oh my god, this thing is evil. The world has known that this tree causes pain whenever you touch it. Like, that's, you know, that's not a surprise. Uh, But recently they discovered that in its little cocktail, so to speak, there's a neurotoxin that is, they've said, similar to spiders and cone snail venom. 
that's a bad one. Yeah, it's it's not great. And the way that it works is there's these tiny little hairs on the leaves and the, basically any part of this tree. Leaves, bark, stems. You touch any part of this, that's bad news. But these little hairs act like hypodermic needles that get broken off and stuck in your skin and inject the venom into you. And it says that you can feel the pain from this sting for up to weeks after contact. Yeah, so I, w- I was reading some of the stories and like people like, yeah, the first two days I didn't do anything but scream because that's all you can do is scream because the pain is under. You don't sleep, you don't eat, you just scream. You don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> oh my God. No, it's literally, dude, like there's so many different stories of people going with this plant. One in World War II when they were sending troops who weren't used to that area, uh, the horse got stung and apparently it died in two hours because of the pain. That's not good. It is intense pain. This thing is nasty, which is why it would make a perfect Pokemon move. I, I kind of see it more like an ability, more so than a move. Like some sort of contact. Yeah, like iron iron barbs, but instead of straight damage, it's basically like the way toxic works. Do we have a chance or like a chance for toxic? Because I think we have a, we have poison point, but we could have one that inflicts toxic instead. That's where that's kind of where I was going, but uh, or just a, a contact move that has a chance to poison. Yeah, that's what I was going for. Think of it like a scald, but with a chance to toxic. That's oh, with toxic. Um, so that's poison fang. Does poison fang do poison or toxic? Poison fang is toxic. Ah, so mine would be a grass move. So it would be a grass move. That would be neat. That'd be cool. I like that. I'm thinking like definitely with Trevenant though, because he is he's evil. an evil tree. Give it to Sudowoodoo because he's not even a tree, but he's evil. <laughs> and Young Khan in the days of gold and silver when I was like seven was utterly baffled by Sudowoodoo and its shenanigans. So I think it's an evil tree. And he's just staring at you with that smirk. He's just standing there menacingly. He knows what he did. Blocked our path. The the last thing I will add about the, the Gimpy Gimpy tree, which I could not find a like definitive yay or nay on this. I'm going to message my Australian friend and her boyfriend right now and see what they say about it. The thing that I read that made me set, like vir- viscerally say, oh no, was the idea of mowing over the plant and causing all of those little hairs to become airborne. Oh, oh no. Again, I can't, I didn't, I was not able to get a definitive, but just the idea of that, just like the idea of that happening causes me pain. Dude, literal chills. That's not okay. That's not cool. I'm going to say owie. (laughs) So for the next real world animal thing, I talked about this literally in my first. Do you know about the evil tree we have in Florida? Which one? The uh, Macneil tree, or Man- Manchineal tree. It's been a while since I've learned about that one. Remind me. So we have, it's, um the Spanish name translates to Little Apple of Death, uh, Mananzila de la Muerte. It has a milky white sap that if you sit under it in the rain, I guess it can make you blister. The fruits themselves are mighty poisonous. I believe they said, um... Cortez or no a Ponce Leon one of those two probably Ponce Leon one of the big time conquistador fellas he got shot with an arrow supposedly dipped in the machinal sap and he got got burning the tree can cause like severe eye injuries from the smoke it's more of a point it's not really venomous it's more just a poisonous tree um I did read a while ago a story about a guy who they saw some fruits on a beach and just decided to eat them and he did live and he told the locals about these weird spicy little apples he found because they were like rotted so they weren't like as deadly and um they were all terrified 
of the guy because he was like, yeah, there's these weird little spicy apples. Apples, apples should not be spicy, sir. Good lord, man. Where are you from, Florida? Why? He said they were pleasantly sweet and had a strange peppery feeling that slowly progressed to a burning, tearing sensation. That was your tongue melting, you idiot. Oh, my lord. Okay. (laughs) Florida and the Caribbean, though. Yeah, that sounds about right. So, way, way back when I was first started doing this, I did some research into the idea of, like, iron claw and metal claw, and it turns out that it's real. Turns out that there are animals that do have metal f- claws, but there are also animals with metal teeth. Uh, you have things like beavers who have iron in it built into their enamel, but you also have things like spiders. Uh, spiders, scorpions, crabs, and there are even some worms that have metal. Spiders tend to have metal that has organized into the tips of their fangs. So this allows them to have a better structure. So things like iron, copper, magnes. And it, is, it seems to just be for strength and dexterity, but I think it would make for just another another steel-type move. I know we have oh, also, metal claw. Also, um, beef-cutter ants, yeah. which, like, maybe we get a steel-type move that's, like, super... It's like, it could be, like, a steel-type move that's also super effective against grass. Oh, that would be great. Like a, uh, like a freeze-dry sort of deal. You just like cut them down. Oh, that would be great. The edge. I remember. I read a thing a while ago, and this isn't on the show notes. In which case, maybe I'm wrong. But if I remember right, the uh, Brazilian wandering spider, like a like a very mature one, the tips of their fangs will be like almost entirely nickel. Wow, nickel. That's not even on my. That's not on my list of them. But that's awesome. No, they. It, it is true though that lots of animals. They actually were doing a study on it back in 2008. They categorized over a hundred species that they found deposits of metal built into their body in some way or form. So it's a really wild stuff. And I think that another metal move, another steel type move would be fun. I mean, I like adding random moves anyway, even if we already have enough of them, I think that having like a metal bite or a move that cuts down grass types would be really neat. I mean, just iron fang. Like that's not a thing. Yeah. It's not, iron fang, very simple, very easy. And it cuts through grass. Yay. All right. So Don, I know about this animal, but you spend more time in the water than I do. Can you tell us about the boxing crab? I do, and I do know about this animal. They also, they're also called the pom-pom crab. Yes. I've worked at aquarium stores where they've been discussed for sale. They're a particular critter to have. I personally would not really recommend them as a pet because they can be difficult. So the pom-pom crab slash boxing crab is a crab. They're kind of cute looking too, personally, in my opinion. I think everyone should think they're cute. They collect anemones. And they stick them to their claws to sort of like poison, punch, and stun. And they can also use them to like filter, like they'll scoop up stuff on the anemones and then like eat the food off the anemones that stuck to the tentacles. And they're different than the decorator crab. The decorator crab sort of sticks things to its body for camouflage or defense. But the pom-pom crab slash boxing crab specifically use the anemones as like an offensive weapon. And I'm kind of bummed because I really hope that I'm... I'm gonna I'm gonna throw some shade at Sun and Moon, which I did enjoy, but Crabrawler really should. I wish like Crabominable had more like I I think I wish he was fighting poison, and I wish he had like went the pom because he went from coconut crab to like to Yeti crab, which is like the bottom of the ocean. It's yeah, like, which is still mm. a cool crab, but I was really hoping because like the coconut crab is a is a punchy crab. You know, I feel like he's a punchy fella. Like he throws he throws throw some rights and lefts you know little old one too and i kind of really was really hoping that that was going to be the route they went with him and they didn't but at the same time that's good because we still have a chance to get a boxing crab in the game my question don is 
do these crabs know that the anemones are poison and they are actively choosing to use them to poison things? Well, they specifically select the anemones themselves to be used as a weapon. So maybe just like an instinct. I'm not, I'm not going to say these crabs are, you know, 900 IQ crabs. And they really aren't, they, they bond with the anemone. They collect them, they use them to collect food particles and use them defensively to fight off threats. And, like, specifically, like, boxer crabs and the other ones have been known to live without the organisms, and they'll substitute sponges or corals sometimes, but they definitely prefer to have the anemones. So what you're telling me is that anemones are the Pokemon of the boxing crab world. Yes, so the boxing crab can not have anemones, which is, like, why... Because I've seen people that want to have them in aquariums and stuff, and the issue is, like, you either, sometimes, like, if you get one the tra- through the transporting, the anemones will get upset and detach from the crab, and then the crab tries to pick them back up, and, like, sometimes they won't. So it's like a whole, or then some people try to get their crab to bond with the anemones later. But it's definitely a symbiotic relationship. The anemones get to, like, see the world and catch more food, and the crab gets to punch stuff. That's a, that's a fair trade. The only weird thing to me that's, like, mind-boggling is that when it runs out of anemones on one claw it will literally split anemones from the other and put it on. So this is literally the only other animal, aside from us, that knows how to breed polyps. Like, that's insane. That is wild. And I said, they are an awesome, awesome little critter. And if you, I would highly recommend everyone look them up. They're really cool. And they're cute. Like, there's a reason they're called pom-pom crabs. You literally just sit around, wave their little pom-poms. It's it's cute. They are. They are They are honestly adorable. And they have, like, I feel like they have pretty, some of them are, like, kind of big eyes for a crab or fun colors. And they seem like to be, like, some sort of little anime character. All right. Before we get to our next animal, uh, our last one, I did want to mention, and I looked, I, I, we don't really talk about him that much, but Sock, like, the, the karate Pokemon, lost his ability to know karate chop. Did they, did they, did Karate Chop get thanos Yeah, Karate Chop got Thanos, so it's literally the Karate Pokemon that doesn't know Karate Chop. That's the only move in the game that has Karate in its name, right? Yeah, that's it. I mean, obviously Karate is more than just chopping. There are kicks, punches, blocks, flips, throws, whatever, all that stuff. But it's literally the one thing that it has. How many throwing moves are there for, um, uh, for, all, for Thor? It's uh, just a bunch, actually. Yeah, there's tons of. I I just feel bad for him. I wanted to mention that before we got anywhere. I feel bad for Sock. I was he, when I learned that I was actually really annoyed. Of all the moves, the, the two moves that make me upset that they're gone: Pursuit and Karate Chop. Oh, we're going to talk about in a bit a move I'm upset that is gone. But I do want to get to our last animal because I was looking it up. I didn't know it existed. Guys, do me a favor. Do you know what a musky rat kangaroo looks like? Yes. It's horrifying. I need to figure this out. Yeah, you look it up and I'll explain what it is. So it's one of the smallest marsupials in Australia. Um, It lives in one small forest in Australia. It only lives in this one tropical forest, lives on the ground, and it just forages for food. Nothing truly like spectacular about it, aside from it being a marsupial, and they're always weird. But their tail has scales. It's one of the only it's one of the only mammals with any scaly like appendages and no one knows why. I wanted to get you guys together and think what this tiny creepy little monster could believe me they are creepy looking. What Pokemon move you can make from that because Australia is thought to be eventually going to be a Pokemon generation. I think it would be cool to think about huh what horrors can you do with a tiny scaled mouse monster? It's going to have a uh, special new aspect called 
Eh. <laughs> it's literally, eh, you leave the battle, but I want to fight. Yeah, no. It has a 30% chance to make opponents switch out after making contact. <laughs> like, oh, I touched it. I touched it. Get away. Like, I was just thinking, like, a tail whip attack that hurt or a tail whip that scattered the scales almost like um, a stealth rock. Like a, a hazard move. Yeah, make it. it's a physical hazard move. Like, that's how I would do it. Again, I like picking things that make for competitive to be even worse or more dangerous. What if it hit it and then the tail, like, ex- it was a one-time move and the tail exploded? Even though the muskrat kangaroo does not, that is not scientifically accurate. That sounds a lot like a Digimon thing, huh? Make it explode or turn it into a gun. Yes. Hashtag Digimon. <laughs> oh, God, we can't do that. The, the Pokemon gods will come find us. And In any case, I hope all of this has come to say that there are some crazy, crazy animals in this world. There's tons more stuff for Pokemon to put into their game. And maybe if they listen to our bright ideas, we'd actually be able to get them in. But for now, let's get to the Pokemon stuff. Let's switch gears and go right to Pokemon. So the first move I wanted to get into um, involves a snake. Uh, so you guys know the move Smart Strike, right? Yes. Yes. And I also know the snake you're going to talk about already because I am a huge fan of that snake and I've been trying to get one for a long time. Bush Gardens had one when I worked for them. It's not a hard snake to keep for a zoo. So the snake is called the Tentacled Snake and it's found in Southeast Asia. It's unique for a number of reasons. Uh, the number one being that most of its life is underwater. This animal does not go up on land very often it has been found rolling in mud in order to hydrate when things have dried up but this animal is almost entirely aquatic it only comes up for air now the reason i bring it up is that because it lives underwater it has a couple of disadvantages it's up against its prey the fish which are way better being in the water than they are but they've learned how to catch them so the reason smart strike goes really well with this animal is that they were able to take some slow motion video of this snake literally tricking and juking the fish into moving into position where it can catch it. So most animals are going to reach and grab at where an animal is. So the objective is to be so fast that the animal doesn't have time to move. This snake is smart enough to strike right where the fish is going not where it was. So it's literally targeting and predicting where this animal is going to go. And it's incredibly successful. It's really good at catching its food. There's an awesome YouTube video group of that. Yes. That watch it. I, I'm just imagining the snake sees in like Terminator vision. It's like, that Sher- no, no, it's that, it's that Sherlock Holmes vision. No, because they will, um, if you watch the snake, it'll like kind of vibrate or twitch like a midsection of its body as it strikes and the midsection will move slightly first so it triggers the fish's like auto defense pivot response and as it quivers its body the snake's head pivots to be in the fish's path so it's baiting it yes it's and it's tricking it to go exactly where it needs to go hence smart strike fish have a thing called i think it's called the sea start and it's like an instinctive anti-flex that they do to get away from like the first vibration they feel and the snake sort of vibrates pivots its mid body in the exact way that triggers that if you watch the videos like literally the snake's head is just its mouth is open as the fish turns its head into its mouth it's incredible it it literally the fish literally swims into its mouth it's 
absolutely wild. And again, it's not an uncommon snake to find at zoos or aquariums that have reptiles because it doesn't need a lot of space. They literally have it in a small enough habitat where they can feed it really easily. And it doesn't need a lot of space. It literally hangs on to a branch underwater and just stays down there waiting for food. It's They pretend to be a stick for 23 hours a day. They don't, they don't do anything. You literally only know they're cool if you know what the snake can do. That's pretty much it. I want one, and it's going to live in a plant. It's gonna, I have a very nice planted tank already set up for one once I can finally get one, and it's going to sit there, and I know I'm going to brag about it to people, and they'll be very unimpressed. Don really likes this stick. It's part of the reason I picked it. Again, if it's holding still, no one's going to care, but if we talk about it on this podcast, maybe someone will go, oh, neat, those Pokemon guys talked about it, and their normal friends would be like, what? All right, so that's my move. Uh, Chris, you had one that was like, oh, I know of this, but why? I kind of have issues with the way this move kind of made the translation from our world to the game. Uh, but I'm talking about smelling salts, which are very common in, in our world. Yes, they are actually. And in the game, they are the signature move of Makuhita and Hariyama. I, I've heard what smelling salts are. I have no idea what they do. Like I've seen them in movies like... I recommend you experience them sometime. Basically, so they are, they're... They're an ammonium carbide. And so basically by sniffing them, you're triggering a response in your nose and lungs because of the irritation that the smell causes and it causes an inhalation reflex. Uh, so your heart rate goes up, your breathing rate goes up and it's supposed to increase awareness. There's people like power lifters sniff it before a big lift because it it's supposed to increase gross motor function because you think of all the, you know, the higher breathing, more oxygen coursing through. There's supposed to be like a heightened alertness that comes after sniffing the salts. So that's why you see a lot of athletes using them on the sidelines, which also makes sense with, you know, why Makuhita and Hariyama would have it because they're, they obviously have sumo wrestling ties in their, in their design, but Makuhita in particular, he kind of has those boxing gloves, right? That's kind of where I have the issue with how the move translated to the game. Because smelling salts have been banned in boxing since like the 70s. Oh. There's still a lot of powerlifting though, right? Well, so the reason that they're banned in boxing is because they were used... Basically, the way that the boxing had used them is how they'd been used for ages. Like dating back to ancient Rome. But basically, you like boxer gets knocked down, you know, staggering around, probably concussed. That's when like your body's putting out all those like... It, it's sort of like natural defense, like I should not be standing right now kind of things. Your body is saying, go down, just stop, just stop, get a juice box. And the smelling salts would override that and people would stay in the ring longer than they should have. And it mm. exacerbated injuries and, and just repeated head injuries. There's also, if they're not administered properly, uh, they can cause a jerk reaction. And if somebody has like a spine injury that can be very bad for that. So that's kind of my, my issue with the, why this Pokemon has that move because it hasn't actually been present in the sport of boxing for a very long time for very valid reasons. You guys ever tried smelling salts? Nope. Once. If you've ever eaten horseradish, Lucas, with your sandwich and kind of like breathe through your nose as you were doing it and got that burn. Yeah. It's like that, but like way, way more. That sounds horrendous. <laughs> a couple of my, a couple of my, one of my roommates, a couple of my friends, um, were on my college's powerlifting team. I don't now. I still don't want to try smelling salts, Don. But I do want to get to um. Uh, let's get to a new move, one that hasn't gotten Thanos yet. 
So this is the signature move of Dreadnought, and that's a jaw lock. So I want to use this one because when you deal with animals, eventually people bring up dogs, and you always get the people who say, like, oh, you should never have a pit bull. They can lock their jaws into place and hold on to you and not let go. And I'm like, I've also heard that. It's like I've heard that about every scary breed, depending on the time. Because a while back, Rottweilers were the scary breed. And I've heard that about Rottweilers as well. But when you say jaw lock, we have this image of like, okay, it's in the skull. There's a bone. Click. It clicks in place and it doesn't let go. They don't do that. Yeah. There's no dog that does that. Stop saying these things. Everyone who says it is usually not a dog expert or a dog breeder trying to make us money off another breed. Trust me. They can't do that. But. There are animals that can hold place an animal with their jaws. In the game, when you jaw lock, it does damage, but it also traps you and the opponent. They can't go anywhere. Pretty simple, pretty basic move, but it's not a bone thing. Again, whenever we say lock jaw, we imagine it like a lock. We imagine it like something literally holding on, clicking into place, and it's just not able to move. But in reality, it's less bone. Oh, more muscle, more joints. Crocodiles have secondary joints in their jaw that allow them to hold on. And with crocodiles, they are capable of holding on because they can maintain that pressure and then put it on again thanks to the muscles and how they're worked. Snapping turtles, they don't really have a jaw locking. That's not something they're known for. Snapping turtles are built as ambush predators, but they're not like crocodiles where they're going to hold on to their prey. They are going to be the ones who bite, take a chunk, and that's that, or swallow the whole thing. Like, they don't really have a whole holding thing. Even if you watch the videos of them carving up pineapples with their jaws, they're not holding on to the pineapple. It's just close open, just to pinch and rip and tear. Now, Jawlock should go to Feraligator when we bring that glorious boy back. Yes! And Crocodile, I think. Crocodile's back. Yeah, no, give Crocodile Jawlock, because it's already a crocodile, and that it's already built for that. It's a dark type move. He'll get stabbed for it either way. Then he can think about it. Use him with a choice scarf on jaw lock. Hold someone in position to make sure they can't get away. And then you can use that to your advantage with the secondary Pokemon. Done. Easy. That seems like too easy for them to have not done it. Yeah, it's not that hard. It's literally another reptile with a dark typing who could use this better. Dreadnought is just. We talked about this in the turtle episode. I wish Dreadnought was better. I feel so bad. Again, the move itself is fine. It does 80 damage. It's dark type, holds on to them. I don't think it belongs on this turtle. I think it belongs on the croc. Now, we do have one other move. Don, this was on my list of moves to use, but you used it. Go right ahead. All right, yes. So, this move was tragically Thanos, which, honestly... Anyone who's been doing competitive right now, um, VGC-wise, knows that Togekiss is our god emperor for all time. Not if it meets my Cinderace with Iron Head. Ooh. Uh, Laps of a Beery Berry. Ooh! Anyway, though, and that move that I miss so, so much right now, because we got Togekiss, we got Ndidi, we got Clefairy, we got Amoongus, and that move is Skydrop, which ignored redirection and allowed us to bash things that thought they were safe. That was those were dark times, bro. What Skydrop? Skydrop was like a mess to deal with. It was great. You picked something up and then you clicked Geomancy and then you won the game. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, so Skydrop got snapped. We're all very sad. There is several different birds. Skydrop was a flying move, um, and it, it picked up the Pokemon for a turn, and it ignored redirection. 
and then it dropped them back down and uh, allowed you to like kind of it let you do some a lot of fun s- strategies and stuff in the game. As of right now, it's gone. So there's several different birds in real life that practice the sky dropping strategy. My favorite is the uh, uh, gear or the uh, bearded vulture. If I pronounced that other name wrong, and have you guys seen what they look like? They're beautiful. They're so freaking metal. It would look so good next to an obstagoon. Yes, yes, they would. So they are. Yeah, I could see them being flying dark, like like a like a more offensive version of uh, what's Mandibuzz. Yeah, Mandibuzz. Yeah, it's like uh, this should be like the new vert, like the Galar version of Mandibuzz. Yeah, literally Mandibuzz, just, but like more offensive. So what they 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 mainly eat bone marrow and they pick up bones and fly really high and drop them to smash them. And there's and then they also like roll in clay or something to make their feathers red. So they're even more like badass looking. Then there's also um, uh, golden eagles will pick up tortoises and drop them to smash them to get their tasty bits. And they'll also sort of drop slash drag mountain goats even off of cliffs to get them. I've seen those videos. Those are my favorite. I love like, again, it's not like the same as picking it up and dropping. It's just literally pulling them. Come on, go get off, get off the yeah, rock. They're in the off enough that they can bash them on a bunch of rocks on the way down. It's, it's pretty brutal. The lesser known Pokemon move, Sky Drag. Sky drag <laughs> yeah. And then um, Age... Shite? Escalus. Escalus. Yeah, that sounds more right. Was an ancient Greek playwright who was killed at the age of 67 when a golden eagle dropped a turtle on his head because he was bald and his head was shiny and the eagle thought it was a rock. Yeah, so um, that also happened. So Sky I feel dropped... really bad for him. Like, literally, he's a playwright. Fun facts about Escalus. Do you want to know what he is credited with? Something bad, no. probably. What? He is credited with adding the second actor on a stage. Like the like the idea of having a person to converse with the so other. It was actor. a monologue sort of thing, and then he was like, yeah. what if we had two guys." Heresy. And then also, he is one of the earliest representations of trilogies. Oh well, thank you for Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. Yes, thank you for Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, but not The Hobbit, not Jurassic Park. Uh, what are the other terrible? Oh, not Terminator. Sorry, sorry about the turtle. Wait, I gotta <laughs> think now. What about what? what are some other good trilogies? Toy Story? Yeah. Yeah, Toy Story. I, I don't like Toy Story 4. Fight me. That's fine. Oh, the prequels. We have to thank him for the prequels. Uh, I'm not going to thank anyone for the prequels. I will. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you, Aishless, whoever you say his name. Either way, it is a move that is and, that has been. It, it is in- funny, though, because Skydrop is not really used for KOs in the game. It's for setting things up. But he got KO'd by it. One hit KO. <laughs> I was going to say, what if the move was only <laughs> super effective against Dreadnought? <laughs> well, also Karakasta and other ones. Go, go. It just go, go. Just like, huh. It is a flying type move, so go, go. Like, huh. Nothing well, can stop it, me. It's already super effective against Go, go, though, because it's a flying type. Yeah, move. but it just hurts more. It's even, it's super no, wait, duper effective. Go, go, too. How heavy is Go, go? Because Skydrop didn't work on heavy boys. Uh, that's true. I mean, it drags him. There's the move Sky Drag. It just drags him along the ground. Yes. I mean, that's that's how I'm thinking. I think we should just, again, we should sign up and work for the Pokemon company because clearly we have all these great ideas. Yo, hire us, Game Freak. We're ready. It's it's literally one of those things where it's my dream job that I know doesn't exist. I would love to just be in a room in Nintendo. Like, they open the door every, like, year or so. Like, all right, you goons, what animals or weird stuff can we put in our games? And just me with a bottle of booze be like, hey, how about mantis shrimps, right? 
It's me with, like, my laptop and a pile of books, and then it's, like, Chris with his laptop and a pile of books, and then it's just Don with a nice gin or bourbon and, like, a, a laptop where he's playing RuneScape, like, oh, yeah, I got some good ideas for you. I got something. That's all I'm imagining now. <laughs> it's not even, like, a... It's not even like a fancy room, it's literally just a couple of desks and some chairs and then just a mini bar to the side. Ideal workspace, man. Yeah, it's just all good. We get like little lunch drink. I'm sorry, that's my tangent. I'm <laughs> just imagining what it's like to work for Nintendo. I mean, my uncle works in Nintendo, dude, and he told me Muse under the truck. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, those are, these are definitely some moves I wanted to go over because, again... Not only are these episodes a lot of fun to do, but it's also really fun to memorize and remember some of these moves that we forgot are in the game or were in the game. I'm mad about it. It seems like in the year 2020, with so much going on, the drama of Sword and Shield is kind of like behind us now, but there's still some little things that sting. There are still some little like, I'm like Sword and Shield, but there are some things I would put back in the game sort of deal. I don't know. I'm just I'm just excited to get Articuno back. Yeah, Articuno comes Now it's weird, eyes wide shut, Articuno. He looks so <laughs> pretentious. He looks so pretentious and I love it. Moltres got so shafted. The other two got sick abilities. Also Zapdos is a sand counter now. All I'm thinking is that I don't know which bird I'm probably gonna end up using Zapdos because I like its move I like its look the most. But I'm really hoping for is that there are more new move tutors coming in because as much as I hate Grassy Glide, the fact that it came in and completely changed the game is cool. I like moves well, that come they, in. They're super excited about um, the move. Those move tutor moves are weird because some of them they gave to nothing. Like nothing got flipped turn, right? I mean, start yeah, uh, a few, only a few. But like the things, Politoed didn't get it. Gyarados would have been sick with it, didn't get it. But then they're like expanding force. Lunala gets it. Necrozma gets it. Lele gets it. The fact that Tapu Lele is coming back is haunting. I'm so excited. The fact that the Tapus are coming back at all. I can't wait to see Rillaboom get completely like pushed out by um, uh, Tapu Bulu. It, that's honestly, I think it's a toss-up. Rillaboom's got U-turn and fake out, which is pretty sick. Rillaboom yeah, I think, I mean, is going to get close combat now, if I remember my data mine reading right. It, it's pure power. It's I'm just going to use some dumb Lele Porygon Z thing, and I'm so excited for it. <laughs> yeah. Alright, uh, let's go ahead and get to the wrap-up. Yeah, let's All wrap right. her up. Okay, guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode. I love coming back to the States this way, one way or the other, because you guys you guys make it a lot more fun than just recording on my own in my apartment. Yeah, we've, we've missed having you on here. Yeah, it's been nice having you back for these past couple. Yeah, I'll try and do them as I can. Again, when it comes to out here... I don't want to pull you guys away from your weekend. Y'all work hard, but we'll try it. I'll try and show up for more of these. I'll still do a lot of the lectures. I think next lecture, I'm going to pick a Pokemon job and explain how horrifying it actually is. That's always really fun. Yeah. Like dirty jobs, Pokemon style. Oh, I missed that show. It was so, so bad. Micro. Yeah. Micro was, he was a, re he was one of the real ones. He was one I mean, of the real he's ones. still alive. I mean, like when he was on TV. All right, guys. So, Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can find all of our stuff on... Uh, actually, we have a new place you can find our podcast now. We are now on the Amazon Music Podcast list. You can find us on Spotify. You can I didn't find know us. that existed. Yeah, it just got... It's new, and we got added to the new list. So go us. Hooray. 
I think it's cool that we can be listened by so many people around the world. Oh, apparently, shout out to Louisiana because there's one city out there that has more of our listeners than anyone else. I would look the my SoundCloud gives really weird data. What's the city? Hang on, I'm gonna pull it up now. I don't go anywhere. Yeah, it's a city called Chalmette. Chalmette, the city of Chalmette, Louisiana, followed by Parksville, Canada, followed by Chicago. Wait, what? What is this for? This is literally, I'm literally looking up the people who listen to this show, and legitimately, it shows you the three cities where you're most often listened to, and Chalmette, Louisiana, and Parksville, Canada are number one and two. Like, these are the most, none of us are even from these areas, and we have these amazing fans listening from there. Oh, that is Carolina wild. State, Louisiana is a sweet state. I'm going to be going that way soon. Hopefully, um, and I'm going to be stopping there. So shout out to Louisiana for being you awesome. You should stop by Chalmette and be like, Fisherman Don's here. And yeah, where's coming at? Because I've been doing this thing where I've decided I want to catch a bass in every state. So um, I've been working on that. So if Chalmette's got bass at it, which I'm assuming it does, I'll stop by. Yes, the, uh, this episode is now sponsored by the city of Chalmette. Chalmette, it has bass. Probably. Pro- probably. <laughs> we, we're, we're guessing. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day and night. We'll catch you on the next episode. Bye, everybody. Bye. Catch you on the flippity flop.